Well, it is without a doubt the most famous birth story ever told. And so we find it in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be reading this morning from uh, the King James Version and reading uh, from my late father's Bible this morning. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. Now you imagine yourself minding your own business. You're doing your job. You're out keeping the flocks. It's night, and all of a sudden, bam! A flash of light, the presence of an angel, and they're thinking, what in the world is going on here? And as is the case, when one of God's heavenly messengers comes to deliver a message... What is said, don't be afraid. And then here comes this good news. I bring you glad tidings. And then they hear these words that just might have been familiar to them. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Words that we could possibly easily take for granted. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so I want us to spend a little bit of time digging into what that could have meant to those shepherds in that field more than 2,000 years ago. In Micah chapter 4 verse 8 we read, As for you, O watchtower of the flock, O stronghold of the daughter of Zion. The former dominion 
will be restored to you. Kingship will come to the daughter of Jerusalem. There was, outside of Bethlehem, an actual watchtower known as Migdal Eder in Hebrew. The first place that's mentioned in Holy Scripture, I believe, is in Genesis 35th chapter, if I'm not mistaken. And so when a ewe lamb would be born in this certain flock, excuse me, when a ewe was about to give birth uh, to a lamb, they would take it to the cave at the base of the watchtower. It is believed by some that these were not just any shepherds and these were not just any sheep. That these were possibly temple sheep. That these were sheep that when they were born, they would be looked over and if they were found to be without blemish, then they would be set aside. They would be sheep that would be allowed to go to the temple so that when someone came and needed to have a lamb for a sin offering, that these lambs would be what were used, the lambs they could purchase there at the temple. And so yes, these lambs, blood would be shed as a sacrifice for the sins of those who purchased them. And so what those shepherds would do then is when that lamb was born and found to be spotless, they would wrap them in swaddling clothes and lay them in a manger. You might be thinking, where's that in the Bible? Well, it's not. It's supported in a book known as the Mishnah, which is a collection of Jewish writings from about the second century. But those shepherds, imagine them hearing those words, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, takes on a different meaning for them than it would for us, not knowing this process or this practice. And so, some believe that maybe, just maybe, that when those uh, shepherds heard those words, that they would think to themselves, okay, we know the process here. Because those lambs are born, we look them over carefully. If they're considered to make the grade, if they're considered to be good enough, we wrap them in swaddling clothes, we lay them in a manger. They're nursed and then they are taken to a sheep market outside of the temple. That specific gate, and some of the maps in the back of your Bibles will even designate, they'll show that one of those gates is known as the sheep gate. And that's where they would take the sheep in. And that's where they would be slaughtered prior to Passover. Or for people throughout the year that needed to purchase them, as I mentioned, for a sin offering. 
And so you imagine what's going through their mind. Because they're making a connection that this child that's born is not just any child. That it is, it is a precious lamb. It is being treated as a precious lamb without blemish would be treated. But we think about the life of Jesus. A recent Wednesday night Bible study right over here in the wing, we talked about how you know people would have had to have seen something different in Jesus as he was growing up. You think about someone in your life that you just couldn't help but sort of put on a pedestal, right? Because to you, they were just a giant in your eyes. Working at the funeral home, I hear lots of eulogies now. And I hear how some people are talked about, how they are eulogized. Sometimes by members of their own family participating in that service and listening to how these people are lifted up. No, none of them are said to be perfect. But in the eyes of some of those folks talking about them at a funeral service, mentioning that, wow, these people, this person was a great person. This person was a giver. This person was generous. This person was patient. This person was understanding. This person was. And you can fill in the blank with the people in your life. The list can go on and on and on. The different characteristics and attributes of someone's life. But then we think about perfection. Absolute perfection. Never achieved by any human. Only achieved by Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what the shepherds went to witness that night. Was perfection. They were accustomed to looking for perfection, perhaps. Looking for the lambs that were born without spot, without defect, without blemish. And there they found, in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, absolute perfection in this child. But it wasn't just a perfect baby, was it, church? Because that perfect baby was a perfect person. And that perfect person is what it took for us to celebrate around this table a short while ago. That it had to be perfection in order to be worthy to be called our Savior. 
he had to be perfect in order for his blood to be the sin offering for each one of us that it had to be. Praise God that He loved us enough to give us a Savior. To say, these people need a way back to me. That all the blood from all the lambs that's been, that have been sacrificed, all the bulls, all the rams, everything that's been sacrificed for whatever kind of offering... We read in the book of Hebrews that it just wasn't good enough. And we ask, why Jesus? Well, that is why Jesus. Because there had to be a sacrifice that was good enough, perfect enough, to cover the sins of all humanity. Isn't that good news, church? Aren't those glad tidings of great joy? That our sins are covered. Because God loves us that much. Because God loves us that much. There are some that believe that on this holy night when the shepherds heard this news that they might have gone to the cave beneath the watchtower that that might have been where they found Jesus some say well that would make more sense other than going on some kind of scavenger hunt through the town of Bethlehem looking for a baby I don't know if that's true or not I believe God's Spirit could have led them to that baby without a doubt. What I do know is true is on that night, on that holy night, Mary gave birth to a perfect lamb. In John chapter 1, verse 29, we read, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Praise God that that Lamb takes away the sin of the world. Let's never lose sight. Among the gatherings of people, among all the wonderful food that we eat, some of us even knowing, eh, that's something I shouldn't eat, but I'm going to do it anyway. Of all the gift-giving, of all the generosity, of all those moments where you might look at someone and say, you shouldn't have. In all of those moments... Let's not forget that the reason that we celebrate this holiday is because of love. Love that our Heavenly Father has for us. Enough love 
that Jesus is willing to leave the right hand of the Father, take on flesh and bone, live a perfect life of love, only to die a humiliating criminal's death when he had done nothing wrong. But in doing so, know that his mission was fulfilled and that he had offered a worthy sacrifice that could take away the sins of the world. What good news that is. Let's not make the mistake of getting caught up in the commercialism and the consumerism of the season and the holiday. Let's take time today, tonight, tomorrow, whenever you have future gatherings, to say a prayer and let everyone in the house know and remember that God loves us enough to give us a Savior. If you are with us this morning and you have not yet proclaimed that that Savior is the Son of God, we give you the opportunity, we offer the invitation so you can come forward and proclaim publicly, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then we offer the waters of baptism that you can participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus put on Christ in baptism and walk out of here today a new creation. If there's something else that's weighing on you and you would appreciate the prayers of this body, then we offer this invitation for that reason as well. Let's stand and sing together. Amen.